Welcome to the AEM Education and Training Podcast, a collaboration between Brown University Emergency Medicine and the editors of the Academic Emergency Medicine Education and Training Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa with Dr. Rory Merritt, and here's what we've got for you today. Physician efficiency in the emergency department is closely linked to patient flow and departmental crowding. And if you're a resident training these days, your experience and learning are no doubt affected by overcrowding. But there is a lack of evidence to describe this effect. There also isn't a standard approach to teaching residents how to best work and learn under these conditions. Today we're discussing a recent AEM education and training article entitled Emergency Department Resident Efficiency and Emergency Department Crowding. This paper examined how residency efficiency markers changed with various levels of ED crowding, as well as by different training levels and, interestingly, by resident gender. Here to talk about their findings are authors Dr. Ryan Kirby and Dr. Hao Wang. Dr. Kirby serves as the Residency Program Director in the Department of Emergency Medicine at John Peter Smith Health Network. Dr. Kirby's educational interests include adult learning theory, resident wellness, and resident selection. Dr. Hao Wang currently serves as the research director in the Department of Emergency Medicine, also at John Peter Smith Health Network. Having served as the research director for the department, Dr. Wang's research efforts at JPS have mainly focused on hospital policy, trauma, ultrasound, and cardiovascular areas, specifically emphasize on emergency department operation management, such as developing new models for ED efficiency management, addressing the accuracy of ED overcrowding, and providing novel operational interventions for solving and releasing ED overcrowding. We're pleased to have both of them speak with us today. Don't forget to read the full text of this article available on our blog at brownemblog.com. So thank you so much, um, Dr. Wang. Nice to meet you. And Dr. Kirby, it's nice to have you too. Thanks so much for having us. So let's just get right into it. So most of us work in hospitals where we have experienced patient boarding and high volumes or overcrowding. But it seems like, you know, to my mind, other than just trying to survive it, we haven't really given a lot of thought um, or researched much about how this affects the resident experience. So you guys note in your introduction that the effect on resident efficiency has not been studied. Has any aspect of resident learning in overcrowded conditions in the ED been studied at all or even in other specialties? Yeah. So when we did our literature search, we found that actually ortho and general surgery and a little bit emergency medicine had been studied previously, but nobody really looked at sort of how this applied in crowded situations and sort of where that related to productivity. Um, we had done one prior paper uh, about two years ago where we looked at uh, resident efficiency in comparison to attending efficiency, but our study really focused more at looking at um, resident productivity and efficiency and, and performance, as well as attending efficiency working solo versus with the residents. So this was kind of a new area for us to, to look into. Um, we also kind of looked at shift length, burnout, and uh, long-term sort of impact on the resident learners. Great. So, um, so describe your study to us. First of all, what were you what were you hoping to find out? Uh, so, our, our initial study goals um, were really just anticipating that we were going to see that as crowding went up, people became less efficient. I mean, that's sort of the intuitive answer. Or perhaps maybe as crowding went up, people uh, got more efficient. Maybe we had more bandwidth that we weren't really tapping into. And, and maybe that was going to be the yield at the end of it. 
Excellent. So in your methods, which we'll get to in just a minute, you use the NEDOCS or N-E-D-O-C-S score. So for those who aren't familiar with it, can you explain it? Sure. Uh, NEDOCS stands for National Emergency Department Overcrowding Scoring System. Actually, it's one of the scoring systems that evaluate emergency department overcrowding. And the reason why we use NEDOC is NEDOC is one of the ED crowding estimation tools that has been widely used across the nation. And in the past 10 to 15 years, with a multiple external validation. So we are assuming that NEDOC score has been widely accepted in the different ED settings. Uh, so this is one of the reasons we actually use NEDOC. NEDOC actually uh, depends on uh, the calculation on five different variables. Um, one of the variable is the total number of patients in the ER, and then the number of admission hold in the ER. And the other three variables that they measure is, at the time they measure the NEDOC, when was the longest waiting time of the admitted patients in the ER? And when was the longest waiting time uh, in the patient of, in the waiting room? And the last one is the number of patients that actually either are on ventilation or they consider a critical care. So in the past few years, there's some minor modification of this NEDOC score uh, on the last variables. Either they are calculating the number of critical care patients or they calculating the number of ventilation patients in the ER. Mm -hmm. So, and we use the number of critical care patients in the ER. So we actually calculate the NEDOC uh, at, at every hour on the hour to uh, when, when the patients actually present to the ER, we actually can calculate that patients upon arrival to the ER. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, at that time, the condition of ER crowding states. Yeah, and you, you say in the paper that your ED has developed a computer program linked to the EMR that's able to calculate NEDOC score like real time every hour. Tell us about that. Was that developed for this study or did you do that at your home institution just for flow reasons or that was interesting. Yeah, this is a actually is a long story. We actually start uh, of our health you know, service research probably five to six years ago. Mm -hmm. At that time, one of these research projects focused on the overcrowding. So uh, we actually work, you know, work with our IT department. And um, because of this medical informatics, we have EHR, you know, uh, records. We actually can find a pathway to find out uh, at any single time uh, the status of these uh, uh, five metrics that we can use for calculating NEDA. And not only from that, we actually calculate four different crowding scores, uh, including uh, different other scores uh, that being published in other uh, journals, such as uh, ED occupation rate uh, or ED you know, work, uh, workforce score. Uh, and we actually even develop our own score, uh, specifically using our ED. So all these scores are you know, cooperating into our EHR system. So we are able to analyze uh, you know, it is crowding at any single minute. And then usually, you know, since it's merged into the ER, uh, EHR system, so it can be become a really a near real time, depends on the server. So when you need it, and then you can actually extract all the data and calculate all the scores. That's awesome. So let's get back to your study design. So this is a retrospective single center observational study 
in an urban tertiary referral center uh, with a three-year residency, 12 residents per class, about 120,000 annual ED visits. So within that framework, how did you set up this study? Just describe your methods to us. Yes, because this is a, a, a big, huge database. So we use EHR. So that's what we consider this is a retrospective study because we actually uh, wait until the end of the project uh, and then we analyze all the data. However, those data actually is prospectively collected because uh, when we use EHR, the, the data are being saved simultaneously at the computer. Um, mm. So, but however, when we analyze, we use retrospectively all these three years of data and analyze all at, at one time. I see. Okay. So you were looking at results within categories of when the ED was not crowded, crowded, and overcrowded. And then you divided the residents into four groups. So you had your PGY1s, 2s, 3s, and then you divided up by gender. So why did you want to study it by gender? So obviously the main difference we were looking at was the level of training by PGY year. When we did our literature review, the prior literature, as well as what the peer reviewers requested, was to report our gender differences. And I think also sort of selfishly as a program director, one of my tasks is, is resident selection, and I'm always interested in kind of getting underrepresented uh, populations in emergency medicine. So I was curious if there was going to be a difference between uh, gender as we kind of had our outcomes, which ultimately showed there was not. Great. So tell us more about your study findings. Uh, yes, totally. This is a three years of study analysis. So we totally enroll over 150,000 patients, which was seen by our resident. We actually measure two different uh, metrics. The first one is the productivity, which defined as the number of new patients they pick up every hour. And the second one, the other one is measure the proficiency. Then we use provider to disposition times. So we want to look at when the our residents measure or evaluate the patient, uh, you know, how many hours uh, they actually, from the very beginning, they evaluate the patient to the end, they actually, the decision was made uh, by the resident and the attending. So these are the two variables that we want to measure. And our results showing uh, a mean of nearly two patients per hour was seen by our PGY1 EM resident in comparison to over two and a half patients per hour by our senior level, including PGY2 and 3. Mm -hmm. And then as of the efficiency, since we used the provider to disposition time, we found our PGY1 resident spent a little longer uh, than our PGY2 and 3. And nearly three hours was spent uh, as our you know, PGY1 resident evaluated the patient in compared to little over two and a half hours uh, for our PGY2 and 3 resident. Uh, more interestingly is that you can see if we divide it into a academic months from July to June the next year, we can see a significant increase in our productivity and proficiency among our first year residents. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas the second and third year are pretty much the same without any difference. That's great. So is there anything known about the relationship of resident efficiency to quality of care at any given level of training? We all know that they don't necessarily equate those two things. Um, so is there anything known about the relationship of those two things or, or is broken down by gender? 
So great question, and actually something we're currently looking at. So we're looking at residency efficiency, and we're looking at it from the perspective of both patient care, patient perception of the of how empathetic the resident was, mm-hmm. uh, and is patient satisfaction, both real-time and then in traditional kind of quality survey markers. Um, we also had a, a previous publication where we looked at empathy, and we looked at gender differences, and it showed actually female residents had uh, – perceived higher empathy score than, than male residents. Hmm. Interesting. So considering your findings, how might you go about educating residents about managing the ED in crowded or overcrowded conditions, which are more and more the norm? So this was really kind of surprising. As I mentioned before, really we thought that as crowding went up, you'd be less efficient, or maybe you'd have something to kind of dig down and have a little bit more to give as you got busier. But we found that there's really a plateau or a peak when you get to this overcrowding Mm -hmm. that you're unable to sort of give any more. So I think for us, uh, we don't spend a lot of time educating residents and sort of operational metrics and kind of what the life is going to be like post-residency. And I think there needs to be a curriculum that that really kind of exposes them to departmental awareness of where they're at in that process. And and internally, are they at their max? Are they still have a little bit more to give? And really, where's the department at? Are they at sort of an overcrowded state versus crowded? And I think that's sort of a finesse skill that we don't get until we're out for a while as attending. So maybe moving that up in the the learning cycle would have some benefit. Yeah, it sounds like it would. Um, So are there any limitations of the study that you'd like to discuss or highlight? Oh, yes. I mean, obviously, this is a single-standard study. Uh, we only focus on the emergency medicine residency. So mm-hmm. we believe, you know, whether this can be applied broadly to other specialties still require extensive external validations. And obviously, different ED might use uh, different scoring system, like scoring tools. NEDOC is the one of the, you know, tools that we use here in our study, but may not suitable for ED of different settings. So obviously require uh, an, uh, another, you know, external validation to using a different tools to, mm-hmm. you know, determine the ED crowding status. Um, well, ED crowding study also largely rely on, you know, hospital IT to help us to uh, develop these tools to uh, real-timely, you know, to report the ED crowding at real-time. So, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, if the hospital uh, IT does not have the capability to report uh, the real-time, it will be fairly challenged to conduct this kind of study. Um, and obviously, uh, the other thing is, uh, because the retrospective study, mm-hmm. uh, we only report the data that we, you know, a- we are able to collect it. Um, so, Retrospective study have the nature of study design limitation um, with a selection bias, uh, maybe some incomplete data, even though we use EHR system may not may still have those, uh, you know, bias. So um, hopefully in the near future, we're able to conduct a multi-center prospect study to externally validate our findings. So that sounds like something that might come next. Um, what else do you think needs to come next? Yeah, I mean, obviously, simply report residency, you know, uh, resident efficiency and crowding may not be enough because our goal actually want to find out some efficient intervention to, you know, to improve our resident efficiency, uh, to improve the ED crowding. So 
I understand this is very hard. And, you know, the steps can be initiated to emphasize on you maybe resident teaching curriculum supplementation uh, to improve, um, to teach the resident how make, uh, you know, how you operationally manage the ED uh, efficiently. Uh, and then while uh, on the other side, not affect your patients in the care uh, to make sure that you still provide a quality, you know, quality care to your patient. Um, so this is, I believe, the next focus we want to, not only reporting the current status, but also want to advance our study, more focus on the intervention to overcome ED crowding and to maximize our ED residence efficiency and productivities. Well, thank you so much. Can't wait to see what comes next um, out of your work. And I appreciate both of you being on the podcast. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to this AEM Education and Training Podcast. Find all our podcasts on iTunes. Search for AEM Early Access, all one word. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Dr. Gita Penza, and we'll see you next time.